Welcome, I'm Ruth Ferenga, founder of Conscious Leaders. This podcast aims to change the world of work one honest conversation at a time. I hope you enjoy these conversations. They're with proven people leaders running highly successful businesses. And if you're interested in developing your leadership skills further, I've digested the top traits and behaviours of the best people leaders I can find into a book. It was recently a finalist in the Business Book Awards, and it's called Next Level Leadership, Nine Lessons from Conscious Leaders. To order your copy, visit consciousleaders.org.uk forward slash book. And you can also subscribe to my bi-weekly newsletter, where I share free content, including practical tools to help leaders move from good to great. This month, I am pleased to bring you Tom Hall. He is GM of International at Lego Education. And I really think he's a standout leader in corporate. I started by asking him just how he got to where he is now. So I'm from Yorkshire. Um, I come from a long line of miners and factory workers from both my parents' side. And I think both my parents didn't have access to a great education. So when it came to their own experience of school, it was, I think, pretty tough and not something they felt was a world that was really open to them. Which meant when they had their children, me and my sister, they were very focused on what was the best education they could get for us so it was just a a focus of my childhood we went we we lived abroad actually in Saudi Arabia from quite a young age and then there was lots of coming back to England and then we settled in an independent Quaker school um, from when I was 10 to 18 and I genuinely loved school Um, I had teachers that were really inspiring and um, in hindsight not the most PC and just very passionate about their subjects. So I I kind of got hooked in from a young age into languages and literature and writing. Um, And I was always aware that this was a privilege because it would have been very different. And I think back to my dad's stories of, you know, not going to the school that would have sort of opened his chances and him putting himself through night school. And, you know, he used to tell me stories about, you know, the young Uncle Billy who had the rag and bone cart that went up and down the road in Leeds. And I think I got a bit of that commercial. I hope there's a line of kind of commercial selling and kind of my mum's family had market stalls and and sold vegetables. And I think then just realising that learning can open up a whole new world. So I um, lived around lots of different places in terms of my childhood. I, because of that experience of lots of sort of travel, the world felt quite approachable from a young age. And an aeroplane was always somewhere to get me somewhere exciting. So I I never found travel a chore or anything other than exciting. And I just felt that this education journey was going to be something that would take me somewhere interesting. So I I took it pretty seriously um, and went and read Chinese at university, lived at university in China for a while. Um, But I was always thinking, I just always assumed that, you know, it would open up new opportunities. And I loved books. um, I still do. And um, so I started working at Dorling Kindersley, which is a, um, uh, an imprint of um, Penguin Random House. And from there on, I just sort of, I found great leaders who I wanted to work for and with. And I guess you start returning 
better work. So you start opening up different opportunities to move into. And I, I have a general belief that, you know, why not give something a go? And if not me, then who else is going to do this? So having that sort of mindset of, well, take the chance that's being given to you. And also, yeah, if not you, who else is going to do this? So I've, I've always kind of put my hand up. And from Penguin, I moved into Pearson Education. Since then, I've just worked in education for the last 15 years. And now I find myself at Lego Group, um, running the international business for Lego Education. And for me, it's a great fit of very purpose-driven company, a brand that I genuinely care about and is clearly, you know, everything to us here at Lego Group and uh, a type of education that means something to me because it's very approachable, it's it's hands-on. So I've been fortunate in my journey, definitely, but I think my pathway has been such because I've always kind of thought, well, why not go for that and try that? And I'm curious, I'm interested. And mm. yeah, that's sort of served me well so far in terms of in the path. kind of experiences I've had. And you mentioned that you followed certain leaders. Yeah. Are there any particular kind of people or, or even traits about them that you'd like to call out? I've learned something from all the strong leaders that I've had. Um, I had a great leadership at Penguin, um, a chap called Andrew Phillips, who definitely encouraged me that, you know, you bring your whole self to work, mm. um, don't take yourself too seriously but ultimately focus on the deliverables and sort of hold yourself accountable. Mm. So he was, what he was bringing was a sort of realness. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. A, a, a real authenticity, I think. Mm. I worked for Genevieve Shaw at Pierce Penguin and Pearson in terms of digital. She was a really um, just gregarious, energetic CIO and then product leader of the company who ultimately was all about, you know, trying things and, and kind of, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Give it a go. And then I've had great leadership actually in every role that I've done. So I've kind of taken something from all of those people. And Sorry, I've, just to pause for a minute, you've had great leadership in every role. That's, okay, that's a fair, that's a very <laughs> fair challenge. You don't have to like name and shame. No, that's a fair challenge. But, no, no, so I can say I've had my, I've also had challenging fit, personalities right. yeah. that either at times you thought, well, is this a fit for us personality? Mm. You know, do our personalities work here? Um, do they get me? Do they see me? So mm. I know, don't get me wrong, I know what it's like to be on the receiving side of, okay, this isn't uh, this the cool. fit that's really working. Yeah. And um, just to pause on that, actually, what is it you, and you don't have to name and shame anybody, but um, is there anything that you've seen that you don't like in leadership well, behaviours? I think that... interesting using that word shame, because uh, for me, you know, the, the absolute best leaders will know their team members uh, and they will establish this incredible relationship of trust and ultimately I think if you've got trust you know that that person on the other side of the relationship is doing their absolute utmost to deliver results so there should never be space for shaming or calling out or questioning accountability um, but of course building that trust and building that relationship takes both a preferred style of working and also a lot of intentional effort so yeah I've been on I've been on experiences where that hasn't worked so well for me and that's definitely a type of leadership that I don't want to model or sort of show up in my own style um, but I think about I think what I sort of meant by that comment was I've I've had strong leadership and kind of 
I've seen very, you know, good, challenging styles that I can take something from, mm. whether that's something that I'm going to repeat myself or think, well, I've seen that tried and tested. It didn't work for them. I can understand why it didn't work. Therefore, that's a choice that I won't, I won't follow myself. And so sort of taking from, and feel free to name any other examples, of course I cut you off to talk no, no. about also what, what doesn't work for you, but um, where does that leave you in terms of your own style? What have you assimilated? It sounds like you, you assimilate, you're kind of... Yeah. I'm a bit of a magpie, yeah, though I, I, I look around and, and um, mm. it, whether it's kind of people online that I'm sort of interested in and will read and think about their ideas, but yeah, more interestingly, things that I've seen physically working, um, I think you've got to kind of get over any idea that there is a, a, a home self and a work self. That That sort of delineation doesn't work for me. I think you sort of come in as your full self uh, and you should expect your team to do that with you. But of course, that means you've got to create the right environment for that mm. to happen. I'm very intentional about designing time and space and environments where my team is together to be together, right? And it's not just, we're gonna look at a PL and decide where we're going to invest or what's working, what's not. It's genuinely, we're going to get to know each other. And I was with someone the other day who sort of was, I was describing an offsite that we were about to do. And it, it's an offsite that I held at my house. It's an offsite where, you know, 25% of the agenda was definitely downtime. It was like, we'll go hiking. We may even go for a, a horse ride. We'll do some stuff that is purely about kind of leaning back and just being together. Um, and then there was a lot of strategy and business and, and a, a sort of friend described that as a jolly. And I, was, I, I had to sort of, sort of catch him and say, <laughs> that's want... definitely not mm. my idea of a jolly. Th this is a, like, this is about fully showing up as your like fullest self. So if people are coming to that, they're going to need to be brave. They're going to need to be really open. There's going to be a, a huge amount of vulnerability and that can feel incredibly awkward. And it, it, you know, the sense of it feeling jolly or fun is only going to be possible if you really go into it, you know, wholeheartedly. So I, um, yeah, I'm very intentional about creating the time to do true kind of team people development. And I think through that, you have to show a lot of yourself. Um, and that can, can feel very uncomfortable at times. Mm. What do you show? What do I show? Well... I mean, on something like, I mean, uh, recently uh, an offsite in my home, it's literally <laughs> see it all. Uh, 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 and I don't care if you're walking around my house and having a really good nosy at like the failed building project in the loft or, you know, the state of our laundry system in a cupboard. Like I've got nothing to hide in that sense. So for me, it's like, come and see it all. And then when we sit down, you, you, you know, you've seen my full sort of background. You've seen my family. You've seen what I do. Um, but I don't think that's really full of many surprises for the people that I work with because we do talk a lot. Um, so, you know, that's not to say we spend our whole time trying to be best friends with each other. I think we get into much better, like, conflict discussions when you know each other properly. Okay. And you, it's like you know each other's boundaries, but you also know... If you're going to have a really challenging conversation, you know the full backstory of that full person. So if things get really painful, you can always be like, well, I might know why that's coming out or mm. I might not like their view on the P&L, but ultimately I know that I care about them as mm. a And as I've a seen different human. sides of them. So yeah. when I approach with this difficult... Yeah. This is really interesting. Let's rewind a bit because yeah. actually this whole 
offsite at your house thing was the reason we came mm. together. You were interviewed by a good friend and contact mm. of both of us, Sophie Bailey, who runs Work Trip, great organisation. They run incredible offsites. Um, Sophie interviewed you um, to talk specifically about running an offsite at yep. your house. Um, so I don't know if you could summarise, because this no one asked you to do this, particularly you volunteered it. You want to talk about your intention behind that, and and now it's happened. It was only a few weeks ago. Yeah, it was. It was three weeks ago. I have, again, I should actually name check a, a, a great leader I had back in my Pearson days, Braddon Wandra, who actually taught me this sort of process. Um, and it was inspired by a coach. Uh, we both worked with Sarah Milne-Rowe, focusing on, you know, sort of the, the, the genesis of building a great team is get them together to experience something that isn't just work, but get time in a, in a market with customers, get time on building the foundation of the team, work on your priorities and you come away with it in much stronger self. I've, I've done that for the last 15 years in kind of places all over the world. And I've always done it with teams. And I think the pandemic was a time when it was really hard because we couldn't do anything like that. We tried some things virtually. Don't think it worked terribly well, but it was at least it was a, a basic connection. And then about a year ago, actually, it was the first time I got my whole organisation together in Windsor just after the Queen had died. So Windsor for a tourist from South Korea or Japan was just like something else because it was, you know, the city was at a standstill. Uh, and it was, of course, bad timing. Um, but we, I think we've really sort of progressed that sense of getting together to sort of get stronger outputs. So for me, actually, moving that to my house was just like the next thing of like, we've had these amazing experiences. We've got together in places around Europe, um, do you want to, shall we do a, a UK visit and go and see some schools? And then the next thing is, oh God, actually we could base this at my house. So it was, it just kind of happened quite organically. And the benefit to me was, uh, yeah, showing my truest self to my team. Again, I don't think there were many surprises for them, but also, yeah, allowing, I think, like just stripping away any layers of noisy, sort of buzzy city lives. I should say I live in the middle of nowhere in North Yorkshire. So this was about kind of really stripping back distractions and getting really mm. to our true selves. Um, so a bit of stillness yeah. in the, the busy year. And Absolutely. I would do it again tomorrow. Um, I joked that, you know, I was kind of busy ordering sandwiches and worrying about taxi times and all kinds of logistics to that. But I also thought very intentionally about what I want to show people and like, what do I want them to take from this time? Whether it's meeting my family or my my animals or just seeing like my real background. Um, I think it was powerful. I was actually inspired by that. I should call out uh, my colleague Andrew in, in Denmark had just done this in Denmark and he sort of hosted a, a lunch or a dinner workshop because I live somewhere quite so random. I thought, well, this is going to have to, I can't just get them over for tea. I'm going to have to make this like a four day event. And um, I floated this to my team members and they were like, 1000% we want to do that. So I was like, well, if you're serious, we'll make it happen. And we did. And uh, yeah, like I said, I would do it again. And I'd seriously recommend it for building just that extra depth of trust. And I don't mean that that assumes overnight psychological safety, but it's just a much deeper like step into that mm. I think you know building a level of psychological safety in a team 
I'm all for like and I, and I think you do that you can try and do that virtually and build like layers of, of understanding of each other I think you can turbocharge that if you're in the same space and you're not I like I said I have people on different time zones and their body clocks are normally all at different parts of a, a day if you pull people in the same place and actually get into a conversation I'm very confident that the results are that much quicker and sharper if you're together and if it's once a year that's also okay but I just think be intentional about designing for this to be a part of your annual plan and if you do it once a quarter or once a year you will see you'll see the outcome and you mentioned psychological safety because we can come together physically and still not have a nice time and not really um so what what do you do that helps create safety just don't be no I, i think be vulnerable Right. And and in that regard, I think that's a very active choice, by the way. And and I know the the podcast is is about conscious leadership. And for me, conscious choices take hard work and you have to be very active. And I think to, to build psychological safety is a real choice. And it's about showing up fully, admitting when you think you've got something wrong, learning to take feedback, which is not a natural style for a lot of people. Do you uh, take feedback? I take it, but I, I actually thought about this before talking to you. I think I, I read Growth Mindset a few years ago and I could see very clearly that I have fixed mindset tendencies in amidst, you know, the intentions and the, the want to be um, really open to feedback. So I definitely, you know, it's you can be a little bit armoured in that style of listening to feedback. So again, that, that's a learned behaviour and it's not something that is always perfect. And I think a lot of leaders talk a good feedback game, but actually they don't practice it very often, both giving it and receiving, and receiving it. it. Something we measure a lot here, and I'm really pleased we can see that going up in a significant way. Psychological safety it is about sort of having an environment where it's okay to say to someone, I just saw what you just did there. Um, I think it would have been more effective if you'd led with that part of the storyline and you dropped this bit and I would have got I would have you know been invested a lot earlier you know what I mean and um that it sounds easy when you say it. I think as a as a as a behavior it takes quite a lot of bravery and so I think you've got to be all in and you know you you can have off days every we all do but I think you have to make a conscious choice in this leadership role I'm going to be open I'm going to be myself I'm going to be very present that's a choice I'm, you know, I, I think about the things that I've changed in my style. Um, I'm, I'm so easily distractible. And so I really have to make a conscious choice to not have my phone near me or not have sort of things buzzing at me because I can go like into a million different directions mm. of distraction. So staying so you, so present. You, and, you is and everyone else, I mean, like this is a, a time, isn't it? It's almost like a superpower to be present. Yeah, that's a great phrase. Um, I am working really hard on it. And sometimes it's really effective. I actually have in my notebook, I have a a, a sort of score, things that I do. And I've got like, you know, have I exercised? Have I meditated? Have I shown up with my values? Have I been present? focused Mm. and I sort of mark by week like how I've gone on that thing Mm. and it helps me track like again it like am I am I in balance generally like am I sleeping well am I kind of looking after myself and I can see the weeks 
that I've really enjoyed or I sort of end a Friday feeling pretty energized. Mm. So you're marking yourself ticks. on these things yeah. on like a weekly basis. So literally kind of yeah. I go through the weeks and I'll, I'll mark them down. Um, that just helps me kind of, again, being intentional. I'm not saying I do this religiously because it's that wouldn't be real life. But I will then look at a week and be like, well, how, how was my energy this week? And can I link that to the choices that I made? And generally I can. Mm. Yeah. So intentionality and presence and, and focusing on that presence. Say what you mean by presence. I think, you know, choosing for your... I'm not a multitasker and, and, and I'm, I'm sort of pleased that I guess I'm reading more and more that none of us naturally are and it's probably a, an unbelievable state to get yourself to. But for me, presence is like being all in this moment, this conversation, this plan, and then knowing that I've organised myself to go on to the next thing and I'll deal with that next. But for now, this is what's important. And I think when you're leading as well, I've had this experience of being on the receiving end of presence and on the receiving end of sort of distracted leadership. It can feel magical when you have a very present leader who you can tell is visibly interested in your work, interested in you as a person, wants to get somewhere with you versus this is just a process I'm going through because it's on my calendar for the day. And again, I think that is a, it can really sort of make or break team dynamics in terms mm. of you being fully in the room. So I try really hard on that. And it's it's an evolving process. Yeah, I mean, it sounds really, it's a really key topic, I think, presence. I'm a big believer. Well, it's not even a belief, it's a fact, isn't it? Life can be really short. And I think we've got limited time to go at everything yeah. therefore make it count yeah. and therefore if you're going to have a conversation that could be very dry make sure you know what you want to get out of it and yeah. then move on to the next thing and it's just like yeah. it's that sense of yeah intentionality and focus but you know that focus then does need downtime so I'm again you know the the, the planning and the exercise and the, the diet and the sleep all of those things are important to then make yourself show up well but there's a time of day where you just have to check out and you're like, I'm done. Uh, and maybe you, it's listening to, you know, uh, a really thought provoking or on the flip side, a really inane podcast mm -hmm. or something out yeah. of the world. Yeah. Uh, or it's just cooking or it's going for a walk. It's, you know, I, I'm, I can't always be on. So you do have to tone it right down sometimes. Right down. What has been some of the most sort of challenging experiences in your kind of leadership kind of journey? Or, or a challenging experience? I, I was thinking about uh, a time when I um, took over managing a business in India and it's a country that I spent a lot of time in for a sort of block of about three years and I really loved it and I loved the culture and the people um, but when I got there on day one the sort of the story that I'd been told I was going into lead was vastly different to what we found on the ground. And there was a real question of like, basically there's lots of good things uh, on the front page, but then everything behind it is a, a lot of smoke and mirrors. And that was kind of being generous. Um, and that was a big choice for me about like, do you really dig into this sense that something's not right and then how far do you take that and that could mean that you know you're questioning the the values and you know purpose of everything here which I kind of did um and I was still relatively inexperienced and young and that felt quite 
felt quite scary, but actually it felt just the right thing to do. Um, and I know that in my sort of core leadership values, accountability is the big one. It's like, if you say you're going to do something, make sure that you do it. Or, you know, there's a very good reason why you haven't. And hold yourself accountable to others, help them. But at the same time, if you see something that's not right, you've got to call it out. Um, so that was a really good lesson for me in terms of challenge. Um, and I guess in terms of like starting to build up the vulnerability there, it was like, I didn't necessarily know exactly what we needed to do to fix it. I, only that at the core, there was a problem. Um, and then having that bravery to speak up, something that I didn't think anyone actually wanted to hear necessarily, mm. but turns out that it was kind of validating concerns of lots of other people. That was a great, in hindsight, ex- like building experience. It was really bloody scary at the time. Um, what was scary about the sense that you were seeing something that um, either no one had seen or no one had wanted to see yet? Maybe because it was kind of hidden well out of uh, the way of everybody else. Um, questioning someone who was supposed to be like you know ultimately un unimpeachable really, um, and yeah, having that courage to say this, this is off and these are the things I found and we're going to mm. have to make changes. And in that change, it was like, it was something that was hugely unpopular with the vast majority of that workforce. Um, And it required, it then resulted in lots of people kind of voting with their feet and going and doing something else. But ultimately, it came down to a, it was a values driven choice. And that's why it felt fine to me, because the results were, you know, lots more work to unpick to get right to the root and then rebuild it. Mm, it So it wasn't an easy thing to put your head above the parapet not at all call something out and unveil a whole can of worms that you know then needed to be exactly and um it taught me a lot and it sort of fast-tracked my um comfort in like holding a room and saying i've made this decision because of these three reasons making sure that people understood again your your sort of data and your basis and then showing them it's not going to be easy to get out of here. And I think these are the things we've got to do next. But sort of sharing that problem with, with your your stakeholders. And it in hindsight, it, and, and uh, it supercharged a lot of amazing progress we were then able to make as a culture. It was very scary at the time. Um, and not definitely not what I expected, but I learned a ton. Mm. It kind of points to this. what my um, last podcast guest was was actually the time before last um, episode with a guy called Chris Fippin, which I'd really recommend people listen to. He uh, he talks about um, the he says the only prerequisite to leadership is good pain tolerance, and that um, because the wind hits you first, you're you're the one stepping out of your comfort zone. You're by nature of being a leader, you you have to take on the discomfort and the challenge. And that seems like an example of that. You could have probably played the game for a year or two mm. and then got out and gone, Phew, someone else can deal with that. Mm. But instead you said, no, this does not link to my values. I'm going to stand up and make my life very difficult. And yeah, I think I, th- I like that phrase. And I think I have reasonably high pain tolerance my wife would laugh I once had back pain and cried uh, but you know <laughs> I, I um I well, I do I think, I, think on a, I think on a work level I, I do have um high tolerance for 
kind of um, disruption and and chaos. I like change again, and change can come in many, many different flavors. It can be very sort of digestible and manageable. It can be enormous and scary. Um, what gives you that trait? Because that's that's not. I don't hear a lot of people say like I kind of can handle a lot of complexity and change. And well, I I I'm quite good at zooming out and sort of putting things in perspective and lots of different things help with that but you know whether it's the meditation or it's you know busy family life or outside interests it's always I can I can sort of compartmentalize and put things in um relative relativity relatively easy and do you actually in your mind zoom, zoom out? I do oh totally yeah so there's something there's some stuff going down yeah I and I, I I will um literally sort of think about myself looking out looking down on the world from a, a spaceship and like how big a problem is this in this if I'm looking in at the room. country like yeah. and it generally helps to make it feel quite tiny and manageable I'm not saying that that solves everything but I think the ability to put things in perspective before the end of a day is out I can do that and and that I think builds more resilience of you know do we need to panic do we just need to actually step back and start building a plan to make this right um so I don't know where that comes from as a trait actually um but in it's your, that sense of anything in your upbringing I don't know I don't know if you know this sort of don't panic um you know I don't know if I don't think it's British stuff stiff upper lipness because that wasn't really like my upbringing mm. um but it, it's just a sense of how complex can this be and then therefore break it down into simple things and how do you help your team with that because it's um I feel like that's a quite a a strong leadership capability to to better hold someone comes at you and they vomit their problem mm. and go Tom so blah, blah, you know there's mm. all this stuff going down now now what I will make I will say I think very um like the words I will use will be like well let's step back like let's put this in perspective put it on the table like what's the problem statement what are you trying mm. to solve there's often all these like competing things of like, yeah. and there can be a mixture of personal and work and just a mountain of work things like, well, in this particular scenario that's freaking you out, what's the problem statement? First of all, put that down. What are your options to try and solve it? And I don't know if that is a, a coaching style, but ultimately it is a sense of like, well, let's just get it down to the absolute essence and hopefully simplify. There's just lots of swirl and noise coming at people all mm. the time. So I think I can do that relatively mm. easily sounds a nice coaching style one question i quite often ask uh clients who are when there's a lot in it is what is the question you're asking yourself because mm. we, we have all this noise like you describe noise so much noise now we're busy yep. things pulling families what, what is it you're trying to answer and i like that then distilling the options it kind of helping yeah. people kind of solve their own problem and and you know and how can i help you ultimately what would be useful for me to do here uh, they might not have thought about that. You know, uh, what do you think your options are going ahead? And, you know, are we going to make a decision or do you need longer to think about it? Um, and hopefully that makes a difference. Mm. And kind of to round up here, because I think you and I could talk for a, a quite a long time, um, but we, we best we best not. Um, where, where do you see your leadership going? What's I'm definitely committed to this sort of path that I've chosen. So that level of kind of 
non-armoured leadership, um, being fully in it. You know, I think I'll always work for companies or lead companies that are, lead teams, you know, that are purpose-driven but have commercial goals and growth goals. And in that sense, I can always sort of bring my fullest self. Like if I can connect to the purpose, I bring my values. I bring my sort of toolkit of, you know, the, the, the hard work skills, like, you know, how do you approach a market and sell and, and make growth? I always want to sort of have that uh, in my um, future. Working very much with sort of global teams does inspire me because you kind of get that brilliant melting pot of different working styles, different experiences, different stories. Um, and I think that path, you know, that sort of that that focus on presence, like what can I do in this conversation with you now that's going to make a difference to how you work and that will make a, an impact in that day. But then hopefully that will start to creep into, you know, how my team around me work and that that's a... Um, a sort of uh, a trait that will pick up and grow in others. So I'm I'm really committed to it, and it, you know it gets me out of bed pretty energized every morning. Mm, sounds motivating. I, I, well, I find it motivating. I, I think I'm in. I'm ultimately a, a sort of curious, nosy person. So you know, and, and nosy in the sense of like, how are we going to make this thing work or grow, and, and curiosity that comes with that, and and nosy in the sense of like, what makes this person tick. And then how do you kind of get the best out of each other on a work exchange? That that will just like keep us going that's for centuries, right? Me. So that's what gets me going. Thank you, Tom. I really love the way Tom broke down exactly how he built presence. And he gave us very actionable takeaways to build into our week. Well, you've been listening to the Conscious Leaders podcast and I'm Ruth Ferenga. I want to facilitate honest conversations with great people leaders so you can learn from their highs and lows and take away sustainable practices and behaviours you can implement straight away. For free practical advice on how to move from good to great as a leader, as well as info on my number one best-selling book, Next Level Leadership, visit consciousleaders.org.uk.